Good evening, everyone. Let's get started. Jen. Hey, Noam, my fellow right-wing, what, what are we now? The right-wing internet apparatus? Ah, yes, the, the coordinated disinformation takedown campaigns. It's Wednesday <laughs> night and we're all crossed out. And uh, I, got a, I got a confession. The, the title of this episode is in itself uh, an act of blatant disinformation. Because <laughs> we were going to try to... We were going to try to scrape the bottom of the barrel to try to talk about Madison Cawthorn getting defeated in his primary, about the various races in Pennsylvania, including the uh, gubernatorial race, the senatorial race. Uh, But instead, uh, I think we might uh, call an audible. (laughs) We can still talk about Madison because that's kind of a story in and of itself because there's a whole bunch of like backstory-ish kind of bullshit there that's going on. And I, I still think there's 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 something slightly sketchy about that whole situation. And will be me to have to defend Madison Cawthorn of all people, but Oh you're you're talking right. you're, yeah. Oh, I say you're talking about the, the, the Coke orgy cabal. <laughs> that all of that came out of nowhere to take down Madison Cawthorn. I didn't, wasn't sure what you were referring to specifically, but you're t- you're talking about the Coke orgy Illuminati, and I'm oh, not dude. talking about John Krasinski and fucking Patrick Stewart. <laughs> they're not in the they're not in the Coke orgy Illuminati. <laughs> so should we just go ahead and start there, and I'll fill people in on the backstory for anybody who doesn't already know. Just go ahead and get that part out of the way. So. Last night, well, okay, back up a little further. Um, midterm season, officially upon us. Good God almighty. May God save us all. Yeah. So, so basically the first round of voting happened yesterday, and there's a lot of shit that went down in Pennsylvania, but really the big story is that Madison Cawthorn has gotten primaried. He will not be the Republican candidates for... Senate? No. House? No, Congress. Yeah, Congress. Yeah, Congress. Yeah. In, uh... So, North Carolina. Mm-hmm. And so, I had somehow either not known or somehow forgotten, but I remembered that he was being primaried, but I did not realize he was being primaried by seven people. <laughs> I, I'm like, uh, and that's why I think there's, there's a whole lot of other stuff going on here. So, anyway... Madison Cawthorn will be leaving Congress by Madison, whatever. I'm sorry, you're not going to get tweet paid like $179,000 a year to tweet anymore because that's pretty much the only thing you contributed. But there has been an ongoing, and I, and I say it's ongoing because obviously you do not get to a situation where seven people are allowed to primary an incumbent without there being some level of permissiveness 
in the North Carolina GOP to let that happen. But yeah, so essentially the whole line here is that Madison Cawthorn is just so beyond the pale and embarrassing that we have to primary him out of existence. And I'm like, really? Really? Because um, I, I mean, Madison Cawthorn is an absolute dipshit. Let's get it out of the way. But I mean, the entirety of the GOP freshman class are dipshits. I and was just going to yeah, say, the like, is, the most... I was just going to say, like, nobody there, – there's nobody who's happier about this than, like, Lauren Boebert and uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene. Because who's talking about them right now? Nobody. And that's surprising. What – that's – and that, there there you go. There's your question. Because Madison Cawthorn, I think, has probably said fewer things that have caused, you know, like seas than the two of them and yet he was the one who was like the biggest uh lightning rod is it because he's a white man <laughs> see that's my question is like okay so the whole the whole line here is that he's such an embarrassment and he's blah, 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 blah. i'm like okay yes but um i'm i'm gonna need to see this same energy if, if this is going to be the excuse if this is going to be the line that People in the GOP who are in embarrassment need to get primaried out of their seats. And I'm going to need to see this same energy when it comes time to primary Marjorie Taylor Greene, Lauren Boebert, Elise Stefanik. I mean, but also, but also where, yeah, but also where, where did the sense that a lot of this recent uh, oppo that had Mm -hmm. dropped on him. Uh, came from you know from inside the house, not from mm-hmm. not from the the opponents of Madison Cawthorn. I think that in a sense, uh, Democrats might have wanted to run against Madison Cawthorn. There's this whole there's a weird um, they kind of de- Democrats kneecapped themselves a little bit by uh, claiming that certain candidates, Republican candidates, pose a mortal danger to democracy while also uh, trying to maneuver things so that they are the nominee because they deem them the most defeatable. The same thing kind of happened with Trump, where the idea was like, let's give all, Trump all the attention in the Repu- – this was like uh, in 2016, I'm talking mm-hmm. – they gave Trump so much attention because they found him the most defeatable. Now, they didn't see him as a danger to democracy. They That came later. But along those same lines, uh, it seems like they're, they seem very eager to want to run against, you know, kooky candidates. But that belies your idea that, like, they're so dangerous, like, you know, like uh, logic, non-political logic would dictate that. If your primary concern is democracy in general, you would, against your own interests, like lobby for a relatively moderate opponent of yours, even if they were, it would be harder for you to defeat them. And I do agree that like all of that oppo dump of everything, and we've discussed this on the main pod, about all the pictures of him in the lingerie and the videos and the, the accusations of him paying for sexual favors. Yeah, that all came from inside the house. You can't tell me that that did not come out of conservative GOP circles who wanted this kid gone for whatever reason. And this is why I side-eye the whole embarrassment 
sort of argument, which is like, like I said, um, there's a lot of embarrassments in the GOP. I mean, the presumptive 2024 nominee is an embarrassment. The whole GOP freshman class is an embarrassment. The term senators and Congress people are embarrassments. Like, is, okay, so if, if you're so embarrassed by this kid and not everybody else, I'm going to need an explanation for why he is so embarrassing to you. I mean, he's clearly uh, not playing ball behind the scenes in some way that Marjorie Taylor Greene and Lauren Boebert are. Their controversies are also ones that are less problematic. I think the thing about Madison Cawthorn was that he became a lightning rod for uh, 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 like hypocrisy for not acting in line with conservative values. Whereas Boebert and Green, their controversies all come from the left because they say antagonistic things about the squad or about immigrants or about I don't know what. But that stuff bothers McCarthy less than someone who is seen in pictures that so that make social conservatives feel uncomfortable, especially rich ones. And so this could this all could be that. It could be as simple as we don't want we don't want one of them pansy boys who's wearing a bra in a picture. That it, it literally it might be as cartoony and as as shallow as that. I mean, everything that they dropped on this kid is basically to imply that he's gay, which I mean, there's nothing in and of itself about any of that. And again, we've discussed this that says that just because you performed this, that or the other, you did these things that doesn't mean that you're gay, but it's that implication that you're gay. And so therefore, that's my question. Like, okay, is that the thing that's beyond the pale? Because um, that's pretty fucking damning. Yeah. Um, and so, again, like you said, he he conceded. He didn't <laughs> – He there was all kinds of – the same with Kathy Barnett in Pennsylvania who's not going to be – There's there's it looks like there's going to be a recount between uh, McCormick and Dr. Oz. Again, on the one hand, you got Dr. Oz who's a, a Oprah person, mm-hmm. a former Oprah person who's yeah, who also – it turns out, like, won't be able to serve certain uh, roles in Congress if he were elected because he's a dual Turkish citizen, so he can't do anything that's like security clearance uh, involved. And then his opponent, McCormick, who's the more Youngkinish type, is, I think, from BlackRock. So <laughs> it's just like – but Kathy Barnett, this up-and-coming who came out of nowhere but is like a January 6th type person um, uh, is not going to be in the runoff. And so there were all these speculations of who's going to be the first one to say that their election was stolen. (laughs) Uh, And it was not Madison Cawthorn. Uh, He conceded. And so he's not going to run. I don't know what will happen. That's the thing. I think that there's a fear that some of these more Trumpy, more MAGA types uh, might just say, fuck it, I'm running as an independent because I'm not going to be put down by the by the man, man. And that could sabotage some Republicans. I don't know. And it could also save the GOP because, I mean, if those candidates want to break away, like, okay, 
I, I will I will get on my libertarian soapbox here. Like, okay, you can run third party. You can run independent. Good fucking luck. Because let me tell you about ballot access. <laughs> let me tell you about what it actually takes to get on the ballot if you are not part of the GOP or the Democratic Party. Oh, yeah. Well, but also like just – on on spoiler like run on a write-in campaign there is a burn there there is a burn it all down mentality that uh while i don't know if it is it is trumpism but it's certainly been empowered by trumpism this idea of like i'm not what do you this isn't it's not it's never the fight's never over like uh, there's always something that I can do, including that, including literally campaigning for people to write it just to ruin it, just to spoil it for you. And that is true. And I mean, that's also kind of like the old Ross Perot argument that he bled off enough candidates to have affected the election. And so, I mean, there is that argument. And of course, obviously, also with Barnett in Pennsylvania, there is that argument that she bled off enough votes from Oz to keep him from winning it outright right now. And so, I mean, there is always that argument, but the problem is going to be for any candidate who wants to try that, especially in states where primaries are strictly like if you have want to vote in the Republican primary, you have to be a registered Republican or you have to be a registered Democrat. They don't have open primaries. Um, I mean, you're not going to participate in the primary process at all. And then when you go to participate in the general, if you're bleeding votes off of the Republican candidates, then you're kind of giving the Democrats an edge to kind of get in there. So it's it's electoral politics is a lot different than Twitter or YouTube or grandstanding or anything like that. It's a numbers game and it really is. Something that I don't think a lot of people who kind of play in those fields really sit down and think about like, yeah, it's like what like there there is a cost loss benefit analysis that you have to do when you're going to run as an independent. And are you really going to be hurting your party? Are you helping your party? Do you give a fuck about any of it? But, yeah, electoral politics is a lot different than being on Twitter. They're also highly, highly regional uh, to the point where, uh, once again, I guess the political polling in Pennsylvania was incorrect. It, it undercounted Western Pennsylvania, which I, I gather is something that always happens. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, like, even your knowledge of, of stuff you said Twitter, right? even beyond that, uh, many of these races are definitely going to come down to the reality of those districts in New York, there's all kinds of house races that are, are, are radically changed because of the legal fight over redistricting there mm-hmm. and things like that. It's all the, 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 the circumstances in all these cases are very specific. Uh, and so it's, it's, it's so hard to just, again, from the Twitter sphere, somehow project outward what would happen. Uh, I don't know if there's much more that we can say about this. The Democratic side has a, a, a somewhat similar fight going on between the more progressive squad kind of types and the more establishment um moderate kind of types. None of it is as high profile at this point. 
Um, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Oh, no, I was just thinking about Pennsylvania and about kind of everything that's going on there. And they, the, the, the real mess for the GOP is they just got stuck with a Republican candidate for governor, who Doug Bastriano, who is a absolute total 100 percent one six guy. He was actually there. He was part of the Pennsylvania State Senate when they were trying to do the stop the steal election, sort of whatever the fuck they were trying to do in Pennsylvania as far as trying to, like, change the election results. So they're kind of like shitting a brick right now over that. And I'm like, well, couldn't happen to a nicer party. Yeah, I mean, it's there. There. This is uh, the 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 races that happened uh, last yesterday um, didn't yield any kind of conclusive answer about anything. Some no. things went in a very Trumpy direction. Other things did not. Uh, and so none of this is uh, none of the prognosticators walked out of it saying like, well, this clearly means that Trump's influence is X big grown, not grown. We don't know yet. There are some situations, uh, again, like Ohio, for example, where there are competing Trumpy candidates. One of them has oh, the endorsement God. and one of them doesn't. All kinds of stuff like that. And so uh, – It'll take some time before any sort of trend can be indicated, especially the actual election. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, it 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 really remains to be seen. Uh, I, I think there's there's two things that are going to be competing against each other. One is the the economy, and what is what might become a new summer of protests because of the abortion issue and such. Mm-hmm. Uh, and on the, and, and so, and on the other side, you have that specifically like the abortion decision uh, and the fear of, especially if the, uh, yeah, especially if uh, a lot of these primaries are captured by more extreme Trumpy type people, might energize Democrats in the opposite way. And so the, the question is, what is what's going to have the, the greater effect? I think almost the biggest takeaway from yesterday is Trump is not, at least in those particular elections, Trump is not the factor that everybody expected him to be. And I'm not going to say it's like a post-Trump sort of thing, but it's almost like It's like things are kind of progressing beyond anybody really caring who he does and does not endorse. Like it doesn't mean what it used to mean. And I'm not sure what that means for 2024 because, I mean, I don't don't even know what to say about 2024. I don't know what exactly is going to happen as far as the Republican primary because, I mean, 2016 – was a fucking shit show. Like, I, I don't even understand why the RNC even let that many people run in the first place. Well, but, but and also, and also, don't, don't forget that uh, in 2018, you know, in the lead up, because that's where we are. We are now in May of 2018, leading up to the midterm elections. COVID is 18 months away. Do you know what I mean? Like you don't – there was a, a great – I remember there's a really good um, – there's a really good uh, timeline meme or something like that mm-hmm. that shows 
where Obama, like how quickly Obama went from like nobody knows him to the nominee. Yeah. In terms of like the lead up to that election year when people say like, well, who's it going to be? Is somebody going to come out of nowhere? And the answer is yes, that that can always happen. And and so what, what, do, you, what do we know about the world between now and 2024? You know, there's a war going on right now. Uh, it's like, uh, you know, like any, literally anything can happen, right? And there's still the question of whether Biden is even going to run for a second term, which I mean, if he does not, and then you end up having this like wide open, both Democratic and Republican primary. I mean, that uh, I don't know what to say about that. Uh, yes. And so, I, again, I don't know what more what much more we have to say about this uh, specific topic. True. And plus, I know we want to talk about something else anyway. So do, do you want to go ahead and start this part? Uh, no, you know what? You can uh, you can you can okay. do it. OK, so everybody's favorite tech reporter, Taylor Lorenz, drops a piece today. Basically, well, here, let, let me tell you how it was presented and let me tell you how what it actually is. So she releases this piece today that is a quote unquote scoop about the disinformation governance board, which everybody who listens to the regular pod knows we talked about Nina Jankowitz a couple of weeks ago, who was appointed to be head of the pod or the pod. She's not appointed head of our pod. Never. She's appointed head of the disinformation governance board. See, I can't even say that. It's a stupid name. Anyway, so. It is now found out that apparently the DHS has put this project on pause. And then yesterday, Tuesday, uh, Jankowitz voluntarily submitted her resignation. And it seems I'm not entirely sure if DHS has entirely accepted her resignation. It seems like they're trying to keep her on board, but I don't know if she's down with that. But anyway, so at this point, the board is basically on pause Nina's out. And so Taylor Lorenz releases this story about it. And it's spun in this way in which all of the criticism of Jankowitz and the board was this as this goes back to the reference at the beginning of this as a right wing Internet apparatus. (laughs) Basically, that this was just a bunch of right wingers who wanted to attack the concept of the board and her specifically and that this was all just like some kind of coordinated disinformation attack about the board and what it was supposed to do and about her. And so Taylor Lorenz's piece completely skips over all of the legitimate criticism of Jankowitz, specifically the criticism that was the biggest one of Jankowitz, which was that she went all in on the Hunter Biden laptop story and saying that it was misinformation, that it was basically fake news, and that obviously at this point we know that it wasn't. I mean, it's the the story is still sketchy as hell to me, but apparently, yes, this laptop exists and these emails exist. Anyway, the piece mentions none of this and basically tries to spin this whole situation as if this was all some kind of massive misunderstanding about what the board is supposed to do and 
I, we're, we're all just a bunch of assholes and we're all just mean people. And here's, here's the thing. Here's the kicker. The White House is now basically parroting that same line that the reason why DHS has paused the board is because of this disinformation campaign about what the board was supposed to do and what DHS was meaning to do as far as trying to combat misinformation on the internet. And so, yes, obviously there has been a ton of criticism of Taylor's piece because obvious reasons. And I mean, at this point, I'll go ahead and say it. This was leaked to her. This was not a scoop. This is not something where she was like, out like beating the streets and like found this story like no this was fed to her because it matches up perfectly with the white house narrative of why the board is being paused so and and as as per usual um whenever taylor lorenz releases a piece like this woman has a simp army like i i've never seen anything like this like in my entire life i don't even understand it i don't know why people are like this because Nothing she produces is of any kind of particular value. But anyway, people want to roll up and protect her for this. And we're all basically like, no, you just laundered whatever it was that you were told to launder through the Washington Post because she now works for the Washington Post. She doesn't work for the New York Times anymore. And so now it's this situation where I'm wondering how exactly the Washington Post is going to handle this because I'm sure... I am sure nobody asked her any questions before this piece ran as to where she got this information or who gave it to her. But at this point, it's looking an awful lot like this story was fed to her to basically start a specific narrative for why DHS was pausing this board. And why they're doing it, I don't know. Maybe somebody at DHS finally figured out that, like, violating the constitution is bad although i'd be very surprised if somebody at dhs figured that one out but yeah it's just like there's this whole like narrative that is being formed that basically all of us who launched criticism of the board are basically like just a bunch of right-wing assholes and that there's no legitimate criticism of this and that we all just misunderstood everything as if there was something to be misunderstood about DHS creating some kind of disinformation governance board that's meant to like examine misinformation and determine like what should be done about it. Like nobody misinterpreted a damn thing. We saw what you were trying to do and you got called out on it and now you've paused it. And I'm very curious about who made that decision, but it's almost like the decision has been overshadowed by the obvious blatant like trying to push a narrative and how taylor lorenz just got like roped into that whether willingly or unwillingly like basically you just became a dupe of the dhs good job sis uh yeah and uh so uh, a few things to what you said because you just uh, outlined this in uh, in pretty good detail um uh first of all the like you said the idea that this is a scoop that she somehow like got this out because it's it they literally announced it and she submitted her resignation that's not how scoops work that's uh she was fed this story i found it very insulting that i think it was dave weigel who said something like well if you don't like the framing you should have scooped her uh 
which is a, is a hard thing to do as yeah, again, because once again, you're, you're somehow, uh, you're somehow compelled to also kiss her at, you can't just like, you know what I mean? Like it all has to come with a specific bump about what, how wonderful she is personally. And, and, and yeah, like you're, you're selling the government's line. Oh, we had to do this because she was bullied. Uh, that, that's not a scoop. That's your, you're saying what they want to say, just your, your, their press release. Um, and, uh, one of the biggest claims, the claim that it was a right wing thing that Fox news, once again, the people who tally how many minutes Fox news discusses every topic were quick to, to mention how much Fox news talked about this, uh, not mentioning that uh, the two biggest uh, written takedowns of her came from the Bulwark and the Nation. Uh, the former being not exactly Republican, and the latter being extremely, extremely not Republican. Uh, both of them fairly comprehensive, and a lot. Both of them focus on several things, but mainly. The idea that she actually was a somewhat of a purveyor of a, a Russian misinformation, disinformation herself, uh, which perhaps put a pall over her character, you know, her judgment. Uh, Taylor Lorenz, by the way, also mentioned on Twitter, but not in her article, of course, that it was a shit show and that if she spoke to employees uh, in DHS who said that they learned about it because of a Politico blurb and they didn't know and it was a, it was a whole thing. God forbid she mentions that as one of the reasons that it didn't work. It was a it was a gimmick. I joked at the time. I think my joke now feels a little more, uh, you know, like a little more hefty where um, the Trump Trumpy style scandals were like this person went on a QAnon podcast where they denied the results of the election. And the Biden scandal is like, this person did a TikTok about, you know, about Russian disinformation using a Russian disinformation source in her Mary Poppins parody song about oh. COVID or something like that. <laughs> Fringe posting. Like for real. And so, yeah, and she and so she submitted her resignation. You know, I, I don't know, like the timeline of events, but it was after the story broke, quote unquote, broke. Uh, because, again, when when you're when when you're when the story that you put out uh, is the story that the source wants out there. That's not a scoop. Like, I don't believe that that's a scoop. What, like, why not? Like, what, it stops working like that. Like, what you say is even, let's say you figured it out. Let's say you found out from a rumor. But then you call DHS and you say, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm doing, I found this out. I'm writing a story about how it was Nina Jankowitz got bullied off Twitter. They'll help you. Like, and then it's no longer really a scoop. It's like, once again, you're just... <laughs> they're just using you as a conduit. Yeah, you're just laundering the DHS's preferred message about why they're pausing this board. And like I said, there's been no real reason beyond 
trying to say like, oh, it was just this, uh, everybody took it the wrong way. And it's, so we're just going to pause it to reevaluate. Like, no, that's, that's not it. I'm sorry. My, I, yeah. My favorite, my favorite one was the idea that uh, it was disinformation that caused the Biden administration to shelve its disinformation board as though disinformation <laughs> is this. There's a joke. I, I don't know if people appreciate how funny this is, but in Team America, uh, they, they look at acting. There's this scene where they say to act your way past those guards, right? And he has to go like <laughs> – it's the Durka yeah. Durka scene or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> but like they talk about acting as though it's a skill like lock picking, like go <laughs> act your way past the guard, right? And so I feel like they're using disinformation in that same way. Like he got disinformation, you know, it's like a, <laughs> it's like a mysterious arcane art. I cast, I have disinfo, I have plus three disinformation, you know, you roll D20, you do a, you do a stat check. Oh no, you have a, it's an AOE, you have a, you've been affected by disinformation. Um, Stephen that, Strange showed up and like cast a spell. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and the and the multiverse of disinformation. <laughs> I like that. Doctor Strange, the multiverse of disinformation. That's where the that's where the co that's where the Coke orgy Illuminati is in the in the multiverse of disinformation. <laughs> <laughs> like it's real it's just in an alternate universe yes that's why we can't see it exactly uh and uh before we bring uh, jd on i just wanted to say one thing when i i tweeted oh the disinformation board is going bye-bye a lot of people were very quick to point out that no it actually isn't that um they're they're putting it on pause. Nina Jankowitz left, and now they're bringing in like Michael Chertoff to revamp it. Someone said they're just going to hide it better. It's just going to be evil uh, Patriot Act type people behind it. Um, mm -hmm. But but uh, I I don't buy that as like a reason to not have mocked Nina Jankowitz relentlessly and the. The image that it took, because if you want to, okay, fine, you're bringing in Michael Chertoff to revamp it. Fine, let's now we're now we're playing. Now at least you're not pretending that it's some fucking uh, beautiful flowery thing to prevent people from getting uh, uh, dogpiled on Twitter. Like you're saying, this is a serious Patriot Act, DHS, Homeland Security threat type thing dealing with how people spread information on social media good at least you're at, at least the mask is off i guess which is in a way intensely worse because again turn off and also in the wake of everything that's happening after the buffalo shooting which again we discussed on the last episode of the pod um you have people like katie hochel coming out here and saying that platforms need to be prosecuted and the new york attorney general is for some godforsaken reason, trying to pretend that Section 30 doesn't exist and is acting like, oh, we're, we're going to prosecute Twitch and Discord and 4chan and 8chan for hosting this information. And I'm like, first off, no, you're not. I mean, 4chan and 8chan are going to tell you to fuck off. Um, Discord and Twitch are just going to lawyer up and be like and claim Section 230. So really, you're not doing anything. They're, all of this is 
is like a PR slash Twitter campaign to make it look like you're cracking down on someone when legally, I mean, what, what are you, what are you prosecuting them for? What, like where, where did, show me in the law where they broke the law that you're going to prosecute them. Yeah. And I saw an article that uh, brought up a point that you brought up on the pod, this idea of this Texas law about uh, being able to take something down and it didn't specifically uh, necessarily talk about the video itself, but about posts praising it, for example, mm-hmm. which that's that's something that we didn't bring up on the pod. The idea of like a post saying like, oh, this was awesome. This was the best thing ever. And, yeah. and whether or not the, that law, again, either be used to sue against taking that down or be used in another case to say, hey, you're not taking this post down or you did, but you didn't this other thing. You get into like the weeds. Uh, I see JD isn't here right now, but um, uh, we can we can uh, we can do. Yeah, we can. Well, sure. well. And uh, by the way, everyone, everyone else is uh, always welcome to hop in the queue if they have something to say, provided it's they're not a grand, provided they're not a grand stir and troll like the two people who tried to jump on here. And I, I promptly banned. I, 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 uh, I smelled I smelled the rat. I guess he and uh, he and us uh, and uh, Scott Dworkin are doing a call in show right now at the same time as, as us. And so I think uh, a couple of people who were like on their call and like saw our show or something again, we're like, oh, we're going to go troll these oh. guys. And so I didn't know. Although, again, because of the thing I'm going to about to bring up the scam baiters, I'm almost in the mood to like bring a troll on just to let them like rage. And, and <laughs> because I was going to say I um, was going to introduce you guys to something that I uh, I might be late to the party on, but uh, other people don't know really well, I guess. Um I, uh, Noam has become very passionate about this lately. He fell I down have, a rabbit hole. I fell down a rabbit hole, and I got I got very interested in in the idea of uh, so scam baiting is something I've known about forever. Uh, uh, people who counter scam scammers, they waste their time, they waste their money. There's a few famous. Uh, there there was a, a channel. I think they even have their old videos still up on YouTube called Four One Nine Eaters, which was Nigerian scams. It was people who screwed over Nigerian scammers uh, by doing all kinds of crazy stuff. And there was, uh, and, and it was also in England, some guy uh, got a scammer to drive from Edinburgh to London to wait for him in Trafalgar Square. And he had him sit there for eight hours, filmed him like from afar. So I've known about this thing for a while, but I didn't know that now it was a big thing that they did with the, the mostly India run from India scams uh, that, you know, like the pop-ups and the, the emails that you get in the text, like, oh, your, your bank account, there's been fraud on your Amazon account, mm-hmm. all kinds of stuff like that. And you call and there's a scam. It's, a, it's, it's, a, it's, it's surprisingly elaborate. I mean, it's a simple thing to do because they're pulling it on like old people who don't know what they're doing. But it is multi-stepped. The idea is this. They call you and they say, hey, uh, your subscription to tech support is about to run out and it's going to renew for, two, you know, $300 unless you want to cancel it. Do you want to cancel it? And, you know, people say yes. And they say, okay, um, so uh, we're going to just have to process your refund. And so uh, can uh, download this program so we can do a screen share and, and that's how we process the refund. And then through some trickery that's that I'm not going to get into right now, they make it look like you accidentally you accidentally transferred yourself $30,000 instead of $300. 
And mm-hmm. so now you got to pay them back their 27000 you know, or $29,700. And they concoct some reason why you got to do it with like a Google Play gift card. Like go to the store, buy five Google Play gift cards. They're $500 each. Then read the codes to us. And they do this several times or send us cash. There's all kinds of ways to do this. But the scam baiters basically call these call centers, pretend to be old ladies, waste their time, and also dox them sometimes and get them in trouble with Indian authorities. And uh, I, I find it fascinating because I don't like pranks. I, I was saying that pranks is a form of uh, entertainment that I never really enjoyed because, again, you're doing it to someone who doesn't deserve it. Like what did the, what did the store clerk do that you're going to just mess with him and laugh about it? But look at this. Here comes a group of people that are perfect, like where it's not only is it fun to abuse someone like that because fuck them, but the more of their time that you waste doing your thing, the less time they're out there scamming someone for real. And so in a way, it's entertainment that is also literally a good deed. And I, I was trying to think of something similar and coming up kind of blank, unless you want to like uh, mention one of those. Um, what do you call those? Uh, the the uh, the reality show where they may they give people a house, move that bus. What what is that? What is that reality show? Oh, called? extreme makeovers. Extreme, yeah. Oh, home edition. Extreme makeover, yeah. home edition. Right. Except that then they have like a beautiful house in a bad neighborhood, and they get immediately robbed and whatnot. I believe that's what happens. Uh, uh, but it's rare that you see something that's just a bunch of people having fun and laughing, right, at abuse, at somebody being abused. But that person is such a heartless bastard who thinks he's scamming some crying old lady out of her life savings that it's great. It's fun. And again, you're doing a you're literally doing a good thing. You're putting good karma in the world by abusing somebody who actually deserves abuse. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's it's it's. Uh, I, I got very I got very into it, and I watched. I didn't know they 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 live stream for hours every day now, just torturing these these guys who think they're going to scam some old lady out of millions of dollars, and it's glorious. It's really fucking funny. So Noam sent me one like the other morning. He's like, okay, you have to start watching it from here. Yeah. So this is one where this dude is like, and the funniest part to me is not even that like this scammer is losing his shit. Like this dude is like, oh my god. But the funny part is the scam baiter is he's redeeming the Google Play cards, but he's redeeming them to himself to like his own account. And so he's sitting there like, he's like I guess I don't know what kind of light voice alteration they have going on to make him sound like a little old lady. Yeah. But so it's he's playing it like totally fucking straight. Where he's just like, oh, well, I I I googled it and this is how it says to to redeem the Google Play card. So yeah, I'm he just, pretends I, to not hear yes. the guy. Yeah, the phone's breaking <laughs> up. There's all kinds of crap like that, uh, and the guy is losing his mind because they have. There's all kinds of strategies. They start with honey, but eventually they they become aggressive and threatening. To mm-hmm. scare them into doing the thing. It's interesting to watch the evolution of the scam because I was watching some of the old videos. And in the old videos, 
they'll often say, oh, I'm sorry, ma'am, I made a mistake and I accidentally transferred you 30,000. Now what they do is they concoct this thing where you gotta type in the numbers, but then they, at the last minute, like erase the period that they put in, then they blame you. They say, oh, you made the mistake. And so now you have to make this, you have to make this right because it's your fuck up. So they get, it's, it's, it's really nasty. It's really nefarious. And these guys deserve their abuse. Here is the. playing it completely straight he's just like well i'm just i i googled how to redeem the play cards and i'm just following the instructions and obviously the instructions he's following are if you wanted to redeem a google play card for yourself but he's sitting there like acting like a little old lady like i i just googled it i'm doing what the google says yes and it's all by the way the thing the thing that you don't know from the clip though is also it's all fake meaning he's running like a fake google store website so these aren't real. It's just mm-hmm. he's running a script that makes it look like he's redeeming these like $500 cards one after another. But yeah, there's a couple. You can look uh, on my Twitter page if you want. Kit Boga is one of them. And then there's another place called uh, Scam Scammer Payback. They do – they try to scare these guys into not doing it anymore. Like they'll harass one call center. Their guy who also speaks Hindi will curse at them in Hindi, tell them their address – Tell them their boss's name, try to get them to like close up shop. And they have all kinds of like deep contacts that will later like WhatsApp them and say like, yeah, they all, they closed, they closed their place and they all fled oh, to wow. Yeah. Cause they get raided by Indian authorities. I mean, it's, yeah. it is a, it's not India. It's not Somalia. Like there is police there. Like they're, you're not allowed yeah. to do it. And they're, they, they even go into how they hide it. They have a legit call center out front that has like 15 people. But then in the back room, there's 75 people running the scams. And so, you know, if the authorities raid, they go to the front room. You know, it's just a bunch of people doing regular. He even called. I saw this is just so this is such a really interesting world that I discovered. But, yeah, even some of these fake call centers, if you call up once in a while, they'll say uh, they'll say to you something like, uh, they'll warn you against scams. They'll say mm-hmm. something like, oh, if somebody offers you gift card, you know, to buy gift cards, don't do it. Almost as a cover for their own place. It's hard to explain, It's but it, it is a very fascinating uh, thing. And as I said, very funny because these people pretend to be oblivious, dumb old people. <laughs> And, uh, and and keep them on the phone fo- 10 hours straight on the phone as they, dr- quote, unquote, drive to Target. This guy has a bunch of, like, yeah. background sounds. So he'll play a, a soundtrack uh, that makes it sound like he's a Target. Bing, boom, closing aisle or whatever. And there's all, you know, it's like it sounds like he's at a Target. And then he'll, what, during his drive, he opens up, like, GTA and actually drives around to GTA. So there's car noises. <laughs> like brake and and gas sounds and so he's actually driving in a video game so that it sounds like he's driving for real it's very it's very entertaining to watch these guys work like they've turned it into a it's not just theater of the mind they actually have a bunch of like uh backgrounds and stuff and they 
they uh, they have fun with it. It's it's highly entertaining. I, I I can't recommend it enough. Yeah, there was one part of that video that you sent me that had me dying. Like the the scammers threatening this little old lady, quote unquote, that like she's gonna go to jail. Dude, wants to put up the fucking like filter of like the jail cell door in front of him. Oh yes, no, you did not. No, yes, yes, that's great. That was very funny. And yeah, sometimes and yeah, he'll switch to a background of Walmart, pretend to. (laughs) There was one really funny one where uh, he kept. he pretended that whenever the 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 scammer said gift card that he heard bathtub. And so he kept saying, like, I bought four bathtubs. They put it in the back of my pickup truck. And then her husband's like, I don't know. We already bought 15 bathtubs. And and it's just like multi-week things. Some of these people, it's that's the thing that was amazing to me. These scammers never give up. They're, they always think that eventually there's going to be money in it, which leads me to believe that they actually do put up with real old people who are really bad at this stuff and spend days coaxing them to go to Target and how to buy the card. Otherwise, they would have very quickly realized that they were being fucked with and that it wasn't worth their time. And yet they don't no matter what happens. Because you saw that guy who was screaming, right? The guy was uh-huh. screaming, no, no, no. He stays on the phone for more than an hour after that. He calms down. Yeah. He tries to do something else. He tries to get her Google Play password. Even after that, he's still like, I'm going to get my $2,000 from this bitch. No matter what. It's sunk cost. Like it's amazing. It's amazing to watch. And as I said, because the people who are getting abused here are scum, there's no guilt. There's no <laughs> it was amazing. Maybe that's why I got so into it so quickly. That that whenever I heard like a phone scam, a jerky boys thing, mm-hmm. a part of me always felt like, ugh, and they just ruined some poor person's day. And when yeah. suddenly I listened to what amounts to a phone scam, a jerky boys bed, and I felt zero guilt. And I was like, oh, what is the what is this new feeling? What is this? Is this how sociopaths feel? I have <laughs> I feel nothing for this person. I feel nothing for this person's suffering. <laughs> my, empathy, my empathy meter is at zero. Now I know how. Yeah, now I know how Dexter feels. You know, and he's chopping, chopping someone up. <laughs> and it's funny. Like I, I kind of felt like when you sent me that one video, I almost commented that like this looks like it's part of a stream. And then you told me, like, no, they live stream this shit. Yeah, and it's that's the thing. Like, it's not fake. I was watching a stream today that I, you could easily think was fake if it wasn't the same guy. Uh, uh, this one, uh, this one uh, scambator has a, a timer that he starts and stops whenever he gets on the phone, and he wants to see how long he can keep one scammer occupied. And the one he was speaking to today has been on the phone with him cumulatively for 36 hours running and still has not seen a dime and was screaming and yelling today and still not going anywhere, right? He still thinks he's going to get it. Uh, It's unbelievable. Like, it's just, it's crazy. And so like, and you can't, you can't fake that. What did he do? Coordinate with some guy 
to spend weeks on calls and you can hear the whole call. You could go listen to a 10-hour stream now if you want and hear the slow descent from patience and niceness and like hand-holding into just sheer madness and threats. And yeah, that guy is like, I'll kill your whole family. He's yelling at her. (laughs) And then later he says, you threatened to murder my whole family. And then there's like a five seconds of silence. And he goes, I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Just like meekly. It's amazing. It's amazing. Like I just cannot, the human condition, it's just, it's a weird peek into the, the depths of the human condition. And like I said, because yeah, but like there, you're blameless just listening to these people's entire week get ruined because, because fuck them, because they're stealing, they're preying on old people. I was, I was telling Jen that part of me is less sympathetic because the scam is so elaborate that it's annoying to me that people, people are manipulated into it. What's the matter, Jen? You're breaking up a little bit. Am I breaking up? Uh, something's weird. I think my internet is not is not great. I'm breaking up. Do you want me to redeem the card? I'm redeeming the card right now. Video, Jen. When he did that. Yeah, I know Jen almost spit her drink out. <laughs> See, we need there's no we need a video component for this. No, we do not. No, we do not. No, he does not. <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, I see that, uh, I, we don't really have any, uh, listeners in the queue. We're kind of, uh, we're kind of winding down. I, we're just sort of laughing, but, uh, I don't know if we need to postpone this anymore. Is there anything, uh, that you want to say in closing that we maybe did not cover? Um, I don't think so. I mean, I kind of don't really want to go back and touch on like the Buffalo shooting right now, just because this was kind of more of a lighthearted and well not lighthearted i guess but at least more fun yeah more <laughs> a, you're we're able to laugh about these topics more certainly it did kind of fade quickly uh uh but it, that might only be because of today's election result and thing and we might we might be back yeah. back to it tomorrow uh, a little hard to to tell, uh, but we will 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 be around to tell you about it on Sunday on uh, episode twenty one of uh, Ambitious Crossover Attempt. Which, again, thank you for listening to and downloading and stuff. We uh, we really appreciate it. Yes, thank um, you. And actually, it's kind of amazing that we made it all the way to episode twenty without having to like completely scrap plans for an episode and have to like rebuild from scratch, like. Right, right, right before we, we recorded. Yeah. Because that was, like, for, for somebody that did podcasting in the Trump years, that was pretty much the MO. So, anyway. <laughs> Everything, always, something always came up. I, I, I'll say that when I was doing my own podcast, it took me a long time to get to 20. It was uh, irregular, but just something about um, getting another person and doing a, a podcast with someone else, just something about it makes it, uh, a lot easier to to do this every week and 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 do this as well, which again is a kind of a fun hangout format. I guess we we had a bunch of laughs tonight, uh, and so yeah, Jen, uh, plug our shit. 
Okay, so obviously the main pod, Ambitious Crossover Attempts, you can find that on Google, Apple, Spotify, Amazon slash Audible, all your podcast catchers. Um, you can find it on Twitter at AMBXOver. You can find me on Twitter at that Jen Monroe and on Substack at jenmonroe.substack.com. Awesome. I'm Neon Taster on Twitter and youtube.com slash C slash Neon Taster and twitch.tv slash Neon Taster. Also, this podcast, All Crossed Out, is available on your podcatchers as well, such as uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and apparently others as well, even though it doesn't say so. But uh, look it up on your podcatchers. It should be there. Uh, thank you very much, Jen, and good night, everyone. Good night, everyone, and good night, Noam. Bye. Bye. Thank you.